Which time we're going to start is a schos through the nishmas. Shnei Zalman Ben, the Baruch. Right, the Baal Hegel Baltani, whose yard set is tonight. Which time we're going to try to finish Parak Aleph and get to Parak Beis. So just before we get to, uh, before we go weiter and get to Parak Beis, just one, two, or three small akudas that we still have left to discuss before we even finish Parak Aleph. That's the following thing. I saw a beautiful, uh, beautiful tight from one of the rebbes, one of the, one of the, one of the Rebbe's was saying in a Pirushantanya, we, we said last time, or probably two times ago as well, that there's four Yusaitis, and those four Yusaitis are the root cause of everything in the world. Everything comes from four Yusaitis, Eish, Ruach, Maim, and Afar. Everything is based on those four Yusaitis, and we explained last time that all Midas Rois, which we have, and all Midas, which are the Teva, which are part of our nature, which is really, as we explained at length last time, the Nefesh Bahami means that which is natural to us, not evil, but that which is natural to us, and therefore, the Baltani explained to us that all four, all four of those Yisaitis create and are the source, the root of different Midas Rois, different Midas that are natural to us. He explained that his Eish is Gaiva and Kas. We explained that Ruach is Hailolos, Litzanus, Hesparus, Dvaram Betelem, things that are Ruach, things that don't have any substance. These are just float around things without anything. Although we said last week uh, that the difference between Hesparus and Gaiva we said last week that gaiva is when a person actually has something to be a bal gaiva about, and asparus is ruach, which means it's all hot air. Right? Sometimes people are bal gaiva and they have good reason to be a bal gaiva. It's never, it's not an excuse to be a bal gaiva, but they actually have something that they can be proud of. They should just, um, you know, ascribe their powers to the Rabbanu Shalom and recognize that all their talents that they have is Hashem. Nevertheless, at least there's some sort of talent there. At least there's something there. Asparus means when a person doesn't have anything, it's just all fake. It's all hot air. They they pump themselves up. And there's no actual uh, substance there. I'm the greatest ball player, but they won't show anyone that they play ball because they can't actually play ball. Right? So that's called Asparas. I saw a different types also that Gaiva and Asparas. Gaiva is me and, my, me and myself, right? I can be a Baal Gaiva even if I don't express that to anybody else. Right? I could be living on an island alone and I could be a Baal Gaiva. Right? If I think if I think uh, it's all up to me, if I recognize and, uh, you know, our machshev, my own powers, I'm a Baal Gaiva, regardless of if I act on that Gaiva, regardless of if I show that to anybody else. Asparus is when I'm expressing that to somebody else. Asparus means I want to pump myself up. I want to make myself look big. That really is more when I'm expressing the Gaiva to other people. That's another way to explain the difference between Asparus and Gaiva. But either way, we said that Asparus is Misait of Ruach. We said Atzlus and Atzvus is the Asait of Afar. And we said, which one are we missing? We said that Taivas and Tanugim are from the Yisait of Mayim. So it's interesting, this farm explained to us that really at the source of all four of them is really, which one's, the, which one's in all four of them? Afar, right? Is that what we said, Afar? That's what it sounded like from here. Afar, yeah? <laughs> Afar, right? Afar is the source of all of them, right? Right, other most created from Afar. Afar is the beginning, we, every, everything goes back to Afar. Afar is the source of everything. Baharaya, take any item in the world and burn it, what do you get from it? Ash, right? He get dust, dirt, and ashes, right? That, that's what you get from it. You get ashes. Offer, afer, you get ashes from it. This from explained to us that we said that, that offer and afer is really the source of atzlus and atzvus. That's why they explain that even though atzlus and atzvus is maybe not, not a, there's no inherent avera in being sad, right? Although Rachman says, that's not an actual one of the Tariq mitzvahs. It's not in Smag or Smak or Chinach or Rambam or Ramban. Or any of the mighty mitzvahs counted as one of the mitzvahs of mitzvah gedolei besimcha tamid. However, right, Baron Kalina very famously said that although atzvos is not an avera unto itself, and although simcha is not a mitzvah unto itself, simcha is the root of all mitzvahs, and atzvos is the root of all averus. That's what this farm explained to us that that therefore atzvos and atzvos, which come from the aside of Alfar, 
There's also, that's the source of everything. Everything goes back to dirt and the source of all taivas and all gaiva and all hailulas and all the tzanas and all the spars. All of that, the source of all that is really atzvus. A person is about atzvus, that's where the root cause of everything bad that a person does, right? Menachem and we talk, talking about this on Sunday. Menachem writes in the um, end of the first chilek in, in, in Okuti Maran that the Yisoyed of Pagama Bris is Atzvus. It's the Yisoyed of Pagama Bris. Even though Pagama Bris comes from Mayim, which is Tanugim and Taiva, the Yisoyed of it really comes from Afra. It really comes from that place of Atzvus. When a person doesn't feel good about themselves, automatically they're, they're much more prone to be able to fall into the world of Taiva. Therefore, the Yisoyed of Afra is everything. That's one Akuda that I think I just saw that was uh, that was interesting. The other Nakuda, the other Nakuda that also is very interesting to point out is that when the Baltanya was explaining to us the midos tayvos that we have, right? He says um, he says vegam midos tayvos call you sobatadusam. So if you look very closely at his words, he says something very interesting, right? He says vegam midos tayvos shebetavah yisrael. Even the midos tayvos that are part of the nature of klal yisrael. Now you expect him to say which ones? Right, we know those are the ones that he's referring to. The three things that that Chazal say that every person should have, and if they don't have, then it's a raya that perhaps they didn't stand by Har Sinai. Now he only mentions two out of three of them. Right, he says two of them, but as we said at the beginning, every single word is written very, very carefully and very precisely. And when you look at what he writes, he writes leaving out. Bashanim, right? Chazal say Bashanim, Rachmanim, Gaim, Lechasadim. The Baltanya only writes two out of three. So, why does he only write two out of three? So, I think the Rebbe wrote in, Bira, in his Bira and Tanya that the reason why he left out Bashanim, because Bashanim is not something that's naturally, that's the, that's the nature of a Yid. Fakir. Klal Yisrael is naturally Az, Az Panim, right? <laughs> that's what we are. We are Amkshe Arif, right? The Rabbanishim said about us, we are Amkshe Arif, right? We know that we, Moshe Rabbeinu said it. We, we, we are very, very stubborn people. We're not naturally people that are Bashanim. Bashanim are people that are very meek. And they're very simple, and they're very like they go along with things, or what maybe would call like a pushover. Somebody who's not really going to take a stance, and not really going to stand up for what they believe. Kali soul is naturally not like that. We're naturally azepanim. We naturally have that kayak of azus in a good way, in a healthy way. But we have that kayak of azus, and therefore it's not part of our nature. What happened is they go. Chazal explained to us that when we stood by Har Sinai. We were given that level of busha. We were given that level of Baishanam. We saw the godless of the Rabbanisham. Once you see, once the skies open up and you see how great the Rabbanisham is, you automatically have to have that level of total bittal, total busha, total recognition of the fact that you are nothing. Once you get to see what real, with real clarity what Kedusha is. And Mimela Kla Yisrael had by, by her Sinai, not but told it from Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov, not as part of the essence, the DNA of makeup of every Yid, but we, something that we got sort of as a gift by Har Sinai was the Kayach HaBayshanas that only came by Har Sinai. And therefore, when the Baltani is talking about the things that are Midas Tevesh, but Tevakal Yisrael, he only mentions Rechmanas and Gaim Lechasadim because Bayshanim is not really considered part of the three. There's only something which came a little bit later. That's another, another, uh, another interesting Nekuda to point out. Yeah, so that's really, we're up to last time, Mashiach Inkin. We're up to Mamash right before the, right before the end of Parak Aleph. We're up to where he's, where he's explaining to us what the, what the Nefesh Abahami is. And then he's explained, explaining to us the difference between the Nefesh Abahami in a Yid and a Nefesh Abahami of a guy. Right? Ramamish, like the last four lines of Parak Aleph. Right? He explained to us last time that the Nefesh Abahami of a Yid is that which is natural to a person. Again, it's those things that are nature, whether good 
or things which are not good. The things that are na- the natural makeup of a person. Every person has certain natural tendencies, right? Some stronger than others. Some people are more of a kaisan. Some people have more taiva. Some people have more atzlas, more atzlas. But every person is made up of these components. And every person is made of rachmanes, peshanam, and goyim lechasadim. The midas taivas, the midas rois. Those are all part of the all part of the tava of a person. And he explained to us last time that they come from the place which is called klipas noiga, right? As we explained last time. There are four klipas, and all of every all the klipa means, although it sounds like a very fancy kabbalistic term, all the klipa means is that which is covering over kedusha. And there are four klipas. There are gimel klipas, which are called gimel klipas atmeos, as we'll see later on in a few prakim. Those are things which are usser, things which are locked up, things which are tied up, things which are not supposed to touch, the things which remain inherently usser to us, they remain forbidden, not for us to touch. And then there's klipas noiga. Klipas noiga is everything in the in-between world, everything gray. Everything which is neither inherently usr nor inherently mutter, right? There are things that are inherently holy, right? Tefillin are inherently holy. At least once they're made into tefillin, maybe the leather itself is not holy. But once they're made into tefillin, they become an inherently holy object. Sefetera is holy. Svarim are holy. Shabbos candles, once they're lit, are holy. There are things that are inherently holy. And the things are not holy. The Shabbos candles, before you light them, are not inherently holy. There are two candles which could either be lit for you know, a Christian holiday, or they could be lit for Shabbos candles, they could be lit because you have a black in any house, it could be lit for anything, it depends who buys them, it depends where they go, it depends what, what they're used for. It's all uh, right, the Swarm explained to us that, that the, the food davens to the Rabbanishan that it should be zeicha to be eaten by a yid. Right? It's a big difference if the food is zeicha to be eaten by a yid or eaten by a guy. It's a big difference if food is zeicha to be eaten on Shabbos during the week. Right? Food is not inherently good or not good. If food's bought by an anju and he eats it uh, you know, on a Tuesday morning for breakfast, you know, the nitsitis inside of that food uh, didn't really go anywhere, right? They sort of remain trapped inside of the food and they have to come down again and go through the process again of, until, they, until they get their proper beer, either, you know, through, uh, either they get them if they're us or through a yid, not eating them like we said, or, you know, if they're eaten by yid and they have the schos through a yid making a bracha, yid getting kayak to be able to learn, to daven, somehow they have to get that process of being elevated and being uncovered and revealed in order to be able to um, use that kedusha in a way which is revealing Hashem's presence as opposed to hiding it. And therefore, the neshama, the nefesh of Bahami, the, the animalistic, natural soul of every single Jew does not come from Gimel Klippus Atmeus because it's not inherently evil. It, it comes from the place which is called Klippus Naiga, which you said last time is the secret of Eitzadas Taivara. Right? As we said, I think we mentioned this last time, Eitzadas Taivara is not inherently evil. There's nothing evil about the Eitzadas Taivara. The evil inside of the Eitzadas Taivara was that it was both Taiv and Ra. That it was a bilbul, it was a mixture of good and evil. And that itself is the most confusing thing in the world, right? Uh, th- those, those things which are not clearly good or evil are the things that really get us very confused and the things that really trip us up. And that's where we, uh, we, you know, we, we start to get very, uh, very blinded by the world of the Yetzirah. And therefore the Eitzadas Taivara is a mixture of Taiv and Ra. The same way all of Klippas Naiga is a mixture of good and evil. It could either be elevated, it could either uncover the good in it, or if not done properly, if not utilized and capitalized on properly, then a person's focusing on the rot inside of it, and instead of being elevated, it is pushed down, further down into the world of the Tumah. Therefore, the Nefesh of Bahami of a Yid comes from the place which is called Klipas Naiga. And that's what we're up to this time. He says, Masha Ein Kain, when it comes to Nefesh, when it comes to Nefashes, Umasa Oilam, Hain Meshar Klipas Tmeis, the Nefashes and the Umasa Oilam, which means they don't have an F, they don't have an Ashama that we understand clearly, that we probably all grew up with that understanding that only a Yid has an Ashama, a non Jew does not have an Ashama. However, Zaktabal Tanya, even in the makeup of their natural makeup, even in the Nefesh of Bahami, even in the makeup of the Guf and of their natural tendencies, a Yid is not like a non Jew. 
The same way an elephant is not like a giraffe in terms of its natural makeup. They have different tendencies. They have different ways that they interact with nature. So too, a human being, based on whether he is a Jew or a non-Jew, have different natural tendencies. And therefore, the nefesh, the nefeshes of the Uma Sa'ilam, hey, Meshar Behem Toiv Klal, they do not have any good in it at all. Right? Now, although he writes, Ein Behem Toiv Klal, they clearly have to have some good in it. Right? I think we may have touched upon this last time, but it's impossible for anything to exist in this world unless it has a nitzutz of elokus inside of it. Right? Everything, even the thing which is the most tameh, even the thing which seems to be the furthest, furthest thing away from the Rabbanu Shalom, has to have a nitzutz inside of it of godliness, otherwise it would cease to exist. If Hashem wasn't willing everything into existence at every single moment, then it would not be possible for that item to exist. And therefore, even though we're talking about the nafashas, the umas ha'olam, which comes from Gimel Kupas HaTameyas, However, a pig cannot exist unless Hashem is willing to it into existence. And therefore, it also has some sort of nitzis of Kedusha, which is allowing to exist. And the same thing with the nefashas, with the souls of the Umas Ha'olam, although they come from Gimel Klippus HaTameyas, and he writes a lashon of Eimbem Toiv Klal, nevertheless, they have some sort of nitzis, which is allowing them to stay alive. This is not his Chiddush. This is a Chiddush from the Arizal. Shar Memtes, Paragimel, V'chol Tivu, Da'avdan Umais, Da'gramayu Avdan. Any good, that the nations of the world do, they do for their they do for their own self-interest, they do for their own self-satisfaction, they do for themselves. Aye. Ah, you have Jews that do good things. I'm sorry, you have non-Jews that do good things. You have non-Jews that are involved in a tremendous amount of chesed. There are non-Jews that are involved in a tremendous amount of charity for other people. How can you say that all non-Jews are doing things only for themselves? Yeah, nobody's bothered by the question. Huh? Yeah, it's rhetorical. Huh? No, it's not a question. I'm saying, you see, they do for their own self satisfaction, their own self gratification. They don't do it all for the sake of anybody else. Really? That, that seems to be a very, very harsh statement. Oh, oh. Oh, meaning? Oh. oh, so very good. So, so exactly. So first of all, you have to know that there's something called Chaz de Something The Rambam writes Chaz de Umasaylam have Elam Haba. So there's something called Chaz de Umasaylam. It's possible, and the Mepharshim explained, the Chaz de Umasaylam, their neshama does not come from Gimel Klippus Atmeus, their neshama comes from Klippus Naiga. So it is possible to be a non-Jew with a more elevated soul, which comes from Klippus Naiga, and not Gimel Klippus Atmeus. That's first of all. And therefore we find many examples of... of of non-Jews who righteous Gentiles especially during the Holocaust we found this recently you know in, in 75-80 years ago who really risked their life just for the purpose of saving other people not for the sake of anything on their own not to gain any, any fame they didn't think anyone would know about it they did it just for the sake of saving other people and therefore it is possible that their, that their neshama comes to the place which is called Klippas Naiga and not for the place which is called Gimel Klippas Atmeas they may have a more elevated neshama than the typical non-Jew but it's also possible that they could be doing it for ulterior motives. Now, ulterior motives doesn't have to mean that they're doing it because they want to. They just want something out of it, right? Sometimes there, there are different levels. A person could do a chesed because they want a chesed done back to them, right? So I scratch your back, you scratch my back. I'm just doing you a favor, not really to do you a favor because that's the way the world works. It goes around. If I help you, you'll help me when I'm in need. Okay, that's not a real favor. That's a favor for the sake of getting something back. Then you can do a favor. Why? Because uh, you want fame. You want covet. 
right? Which is not a terrible thing. Yeah, Jews do this also, right? Even the, we talk about even the tayv of the not even the tayv of the Jews. We have a certain amount of chesed which comes gmilas chasadim, which comes as part of our nefesh shabahami. You can do chesed for the sake of covet. Right, it's Kishmak, it looks good. You help somebody on the side of the road and he's standing on the side of Route 9 helping somebody change a tire. You know there's gonna be a lot of cars passing by. It looks good for you. Yeah, that's, that's not a terrible, it's not a terrible thing. It's not maybe the, perhaps most Lashma, but that's a good thing also. It's not Lashma, it's not, it's Ligar Mayu. You're doing it for yourself. You're doing it for self-gratification, for self. You want, you want COVID, you want respect. You want people to, to talk nicely about you. You want people to respect you, okay? That's another level of chesed. You can also do chesed because you're so bothered by the plight of somebody else that you want to help them, right? For example, let's say a non-Jew at the time of the Holocaust, right? So we can either do chesed because you know he's hope this guy the not the Jew helped him for many years. They live in the same town. Right? My grandfather always told us that my grandfather lived in. Uh, my grandfather had a you know his his parents. Sorry, my grandmother her her parents had a had a store. Store in their little in the little city, and uh, they would have all the non Jews would come in, and my grandmother would say her parents treated the guy so well, so well. They gave them stuff and they needed them. They gave them jobs. They helped them out, and came uh, you know came Nazi Germany, and they took over Poland. And uh, suddenly everyone turned their back on them. And they, uh, they totally, they ratted them out. They, totally, they, they, they plundered the houses. They did whatever they wanted, right? So like, there's a certain lack of a Akar Satev that they had. So you can have somebody who will do it because of a Akar Satev, right? They see that, listen, these are the people that helped us out for many years. They'll help them out. That's one level. That's really a level. That's a very low level chesed. It's a chesed where you did something for me, I did something for you, huh? They're arguing with morality. Oh, so, oh, so very good. So that, that's level one is Pasha. Fine, so we'll get to that. But level one is where I'm doing something for you. Because you do something for me, it's the way the world goes around. Everyone has to be good Samaritans because that's the way it helps the world function as a better place. If everybody's, you know, Chazal say, you know, if there wouldn't be a government, every person would eat, would eat each other, right? Every person would eat below, they would swallow people whole because, yeah, the way, the way society needs to work with a certain set of morality, you know, the morality line can shift drastically as society wants because there's no real morality line set in place by any greater power and therefore it can move as society decides it should move but there's morality just for the sake of having a healthy functioning society if every guy walked into a store and stole things it wouldn't do well so therefore there's a process of doing good for people helping people doing chesed with people all for the process of just making society run that's nice it's a chesed but it's a very selfish chesed then there's a little less selfish which is no I want to do for the other person but I want to get covered Okay, that's a little bit less. You're not looking to actually get a, a, a favor back from that person, but you're hoping to get some respect out of it, some covet, some, you know, or you want the guy to write you a nice thank you note because it feels good when the guy writes you a nice thank you note. So you want to feel good about yourself. The way you feel good about yourself is by helping other people. It's the second level of chesed. It's also good. It's also chesed. It's also like Gamayu, right? That's also, you're doing it for yourself. You're doing it because you want to feel good. And like you said, you got a great phone call today, right? That feels good. It feels good. Now, that, that, this, that's, ah, very good. So, but, it, but it feels good. So if you're doing it only for that, that's another level of chesed, which is also called the Gamayu. A third level of chesed is where I see somebody in need. I'm driving down Route 9 and I see somebody standing out in the rain and it's pouring rain and they're changing their tire. Uh, my heart goes out for them. When my, huh? Or no one's stopping for them, yeah. My heart goes out for the person. So in order to not allow my heart to go out, I stop and I help them because it, it bothers me so terribly to see homeless people that I want to help them. So who are you doing it for? Yourself or the homeless people? Yourself, right? Because it bothers you so much to see homeless people. So you're really doing it for yourself because you want to make your, you're trying to self-soothe yourself because you see the plight of the homeless people. So you're trying to help them. No, it's very nice. That we're not saying that that's not chesed. But it's also a level of lagarmayu. It's also a level of doing chesed for yourself, 
right? You're doing it to self-soothe yourself. As the highest level of chesed, which is not the chesed he's talking about, but the umasa'ilam is a chesed where it's done solely for the other person, right? One of the big differences between chesed and uh, like for example, Rabbi Nachman writes, a person has to have a, ver- a lot of clarity, a lot of knowledge to know how to, be, how to, how to have proper Rahman on some people. Right? Because if I'm doing it for myself to make myself feel better, what can end up happening is I'll have chesed on people that I shouldn't be having chesed on. I'll have Rahman on people I shouldn't have Rahman on. I, I want to do for them. Okay, but maybe you're not helping them. Maybe you're only enabling them by helping them, right? I want to give all the poor people money. I don't know, maybe that's not the best thing to do. Maybe it'd be smarter if you help train them all to get jobs. Uh, but, but I want to help them, I want to give them money. Okay, but are you trying to help yourself? You're trying to help the other person, right? It's very important to always know and always recognize, is it for you or for them? So the highest level of chesed, the level that he's talking about that the Klai Yisrael is involved in, is we could be involved in, and again, we could also be involved in the lower level of chesed, which is for the self-respect, for the covet, because we want to feel good about ourselves, which is also important, it's also chesed, and it's but the highest level of chesed is where it's not about me, it's for the other person. And therefore, when he talks about the, the, the umas ha'elam doing chesed legermayu, it doesn't just mean that they're totally selfish and they only care about self-gratification. They could be doing it because they care about the other person, but that's also really selfish. That's also because I don't want to feel bad that the other person's in pain. And it bothers me and it hurts me and it pains me deeply that the other person's in pain. And I want to make sure that I don't feel that pain so I help the other person. And therefore, the real ultimate chesed is when it's focused on the other person. For example, we find by Avram Avinu. Right? When Avram Avinu, it's a very, very palatic azaf. When Avram Avinu invites the three malachim in, so what does he tell them first? Yeah? Sit under the tree and I'll give, you, I'll give you a little bit of water and a little bit of bread. And then like five minutes later, like the next pasuk later, he's running and he's shechting cows and Sarah's baking fresh bread and they're cutting out, they're making fresh mustard. And like a minute ago, he just told them, like, don't, he didn't even invite them into his house. He told them, sit under the tree, I'll give you a little bit of water and a little bit of bread. And like a minute later, he's making fresh bread and meat for them and shechting and, and roasting cows. What's it? So first of all, yeah, but even more than that, I heard this from Rabbi Zev Lef. He says, He was being sensitive to them. He said, I would love to give a, a three, five course meal to, to a guest because that's what, I'm a Ramavino. I love doing that. But maybe it's not convenient for them. Maybe they want to move. Maybe they're traveling and they don't have time to sit down for a five course meal. So it's very nice that for my self-satisfaction, for my self-gratification, to fill my need to do chesed, I want to give them a five course meal. But if they don't need it, then you're just focusing on yourself. So first, Avraham Avinu told him, come, sit under the tree. Let me give you a little, rest for five minutes. Give you a little water, eat some bread, just rest up a little bit, and then go anyway. Once he saw that they were chill, that they were relaxing, that they weren't going anywhere, they had nowhere to go. They came to visit Avraham Avinu, their malachim, and he said, okay, now that you're here to stay, so now let me give you a proper meal, right? It's very, very important to always be cognizant that we're trying to get to the ultimate level of chesed, which is not Lergamayu, right? What's his name in, uh, in Eish? Uh, Burga, what's his first name? Mati Burger. Mati Burger, that's his name? Right, I think that's his name. It's one of, one of, the, one of the speakers in Ashri Shalim. He always liked, whenever they have fry kids come in for that, I, I, I sat through some of his classes and uh, beginners, what's called, um, beginners thing, yeah, blanking out what it's called there. So in, in, in Ash, so when they have, uh, when they have um, you know, beginners come in, so he always like, he always proves to them that any chesed that they've ever done is only selfish. And like it throws people off very, very much. Cause like, they're like, what do you mean? We're selfless people. Like we do for other people. He's like, why do you do for other people? 
And they say, well, what do you mean? Because we see them. So he says, do you feel better about yourself than you do for other people? They said, yeah, so you're, you're selfish. Right? And like it throws a lot of like these secular kids off. They're like, we're selfless people. We do for the other person. He's like, no, you do for yourself. You just, you want to either get something back for them. You want to feel good about it. You want to be able to get the gratitude, you know, from that person. But you're really doing it for yourself. It's all like Amayu. And he proves, you know, this point that the Valtanya is saying that it's, it's a lot of the chesed that, that we're involved in is like Amayu. And therefore, we as Kal Yisrael, as the, as the Amanifchar have the ability to rise to the proper level of chesed, but we should recognize that many times we're involved in chesed legamayu avdi, legamayu avdi, which is not, again, it's just not a terrible thing, it's not a bad thing, it's not an avera, it's not something which is, you know, looked down upon, but that's not the ultimate level of chesed, and that's really the chesed that Umas Ailam also can be involved in, which is legamayu avdi. And that's what he means when he says, chesed la'umam chatesh, he called tzedakah v'chesed Umas Ailam Aisim, ain't Allah lesyar, they do it too for themselves. Yeah. Inflict their kindness, right? Right, right. It's a very, very unhealthy thing. But even even when it's done in a healthy way, which is fine. Again, we're not saying that this is bad. This is, but it's important to just be cognizant of what the Baltan is telling us that a lot of a lot of chesed that takes place is like Avden. It's done for our own self, you know, for our own self in order to make ourselves better. They say when the Baltan is, I was just telling, I was just telling Shalom that they say when the Baltan was in jail. So at the, uh, <laughs> part, part of it, the, the reason why he went into jail was for spreading teachings of Chassidus. They put him into jail because of he was sending monetary to Saul, but really it was, you know, if they were nervous that he was making a rebellion and he was going to spread and the Litvaks weren't happy with what was going on with the spread of Chassidus. So a lot of the interrogation that took place, and it's a pella because we, 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 we have records of all the interrogation that took place in St. Petersburg then. They have the records written down, the transcripts written down from the interrogation that took place at the Baltanya. Hundreds of years ago. So one of the things they were interrogating him about was the teachings of the Balshamtiv, Chsidos, and you know many many things. So they asked them at the end of this parak. You know they, they read through Tanya. They had some very learned you know Gayim who were involved in uh, fighting him, and probably they had from people or fried people, unfortunately, helping them out and trying to you know keep the Balatani in jail. So one of the things they asked them, the Gayim asked them. They said uh, at the end of the first parak in Tanya, you don't write very fondly about the non-Jews, right? You write that everything we're doing, we're only doing it for our self-purpose, we're only doing it for ourselves. Like what do you have to say about that? Pretty, uh, pretty damning evidence against the Baltanya. You have that. And Eric Aleph, right? This is why it's very, it's always very difficult. You know, I, I imagine that the Chabad Shluchim are learning Tanya. So he's learning Tanya with secular students. And like, you get to like, it's not like 30, 40 prakim It's like first parak, right? It's like, imagine like the first mitzvah was like, kill out Amalek. Timcha Zecher Amalek. So you know, like, it's very, very hard. I had to like explain to Afrai kid. The first parak, the end of the first parak is Goyim are only doing things for themselves. So that's the Baltanya. They said, like, what's going on? Like, you know, maybe you, you, you're, right, you're like throwing all the Goyim under the bus. So they said he didn't answer, he just smiled, didn't answer. And they left him alone. They asked the Baltanya afterwards, like, you know, I guess he was telling over to Chassidim what happens. They asked him afterwards, they said, like, why, why don't you give them an answer? He said, I proved them, I proved every other question that they asked me. I explained to them why I felt the way I felt and why I was right and what I, and what I was right. And I proved to them that I was right. He said, with this one, I smiled at them and they understood that it's better left unproven. I can prove to them that I'm right on what I said at the end of the first paragraph. Certain things are better left unproven and they understood that I was right. And I don't need to sit here and prove to them that it's all like Amayu Avden. Let's just leave certain things unsaid, unsaid. <laughs> we'll, leave, we'll leave it as, it, as, as is. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's, it's important for us to know this, uh, this, uh, this real truth. And that's really what he gets to at the end of the first parak. And that's really, there's a chesedum and chatas, right? Rashi really in Bava Basra. Rashi says that there's, what's the difference between the tzedakah of a Jew and the tzedakah of a non-Jew? So Rashi says when a Jew, the Gemara really says this, but it's the way Rashi explains the Gemara, when a Jew gives tzedakah, a manas, 
that his child should live, that's the example that the Gemara gives, Rashi says, even if his child doesn't end up living, right, a person gives money to Kupa to ear, or Vadar or any other tzedakah, with the hope that a certain school will take place. And let's say it doesn't work out the way he wanted, the Jew doesn't regret the giving of the tzedakah, he still says he's happy over the fact that he gave the tzedakah. Because at the end of the day, even if it seems to be given, not lishma, but there's a certain aspect of lishma. He gave the $180 to Kupa to ear, and he thought that everything would work out, it didn't work out, he still says, I don't regret the fact that I gave the $180, which means even though, yeah, there may be altruistic motives why we'll do chesed, but at the end of the day, even underneath all the chesed that we do, there's still an aspect of lishma. Mashenken is saying, but well, the umas it's all like Gamaya Avdin, like the Gemara says, if they give the money and it doesn't work out the way they want, they say, we, we want a refund, we want our money back, it's not very good. And that's really the end of Perak Aleph, yeah. My question, my question is, is should, we, should we not learn because we're doing it for ourselves? Why are we doing it for ourselves? Because it, uh, makes us feel, I'm saying for some gave us learning, so it's a guide book connected. So we're supposed to do it, Lishma, just to, for him. No, it's the Avnei Nezer really talks about that. It's a very famous Avnei Nezer at the beginning of uh, the Chuvis and Igle where he talks, where he says very, very clean, it's like dumb over there, that the, the enjoyment one gets out of learning doesn't take away from Lishma of learning. Hashem gave it to you so that you enjoy it. It's like the chesed also. Hashem doesn't want us to no, not enjoy. Great. So if you, if you gave it to us to enjoy it, then there's nothing wrong with us enjoying it. Right. Why can we enjoy it? Meaning we can enjoy something if we're doing something good. So True. Chesed, why can we enjoy True, you could. No, 100% you could. But the ultimate level of the ultimate level of chesed, of course you could enjoy yourself. It doesn't take away from anything if you enjoy it. The ultimate level of chesed is where it's not about you, it's about the other person. And the, the other person and you, what can we do? It could be, but you're, that's not the ultimate. You're helping him and by helping him, you're helping yourself, so you're helping both. You're helping him, you're, you're satisfying him and yourself. Right? True, and true, so, that, that, so that's what I said. That's the best you're helping, you're, you're, it's two for the price of one. Yeah. Yeah, if you're looking to, to if you're looking to do chesed for no, to yourself, Hashem it's the best. Hashem wants both people to be able to You being able to be a chef to help this person. Are you helping him? You're well, you, happy. The ultimate, the ultimate goal is that you're happy without, without, without being happy because of the fact that you helped him. You're happy because he's happy. Right, they're happy that he's happy. Right. He's only, he's only, he's only able to be happy with being able to help him. Right. In a scenario that I'm only able to help him. So, uh, I guess you have, you have to just, you have to... Again, we're not we're not saying that we should we shouldn't feel good about when we do good. Most of the time when we do good, we feel good. There's nothing there's nothing that you know, somebody told me a story. Somebody, true, hundred percent, hundred percent. There's not again, I d I don't mean to say I don't I, I don't mean to say there's anything wrong with that, I don't mean to say that that that's a bit of it. But the ultimate level of chesed is when it's totally solely focused on the other person. Right, and the ultimate level of mitzvahs is, of course, you're supposed to feel good. It's supposed to feel einig and mitzvahs. It's supposed to feel tiny and mitzvahs. But the ultimate level of, of mitzvahs is not when we're doing it for the sake of tiny. It's when we're doing it solely for the rabbinic level. No, not chasvashalom, not robotics. When it's done solely because we're, because for the rabbinic level. Solely, totally, 100% for the rabbinic level. Chesed means that I'm doing something for somebody else. Now, does that mean that I shouldn't feel good when I do chesed? No. He created, he created the world because he wants us to do it. Doesn't need anything. It's Ava Kaddish Baruch Hu. No, the point is that we should be a part of his actions. So if we're not feeling it, then we should stop doing it. No, I'm saying that he could just create machines that do it. The whole point of him creating someone that's the But we have a exactly. We can choose. We can choose to do it even if we don't feel it, right? Or not because we feel it, right? You feel not right about doing it. Do it anyway, but you should still feel part of doing it. You should still feel some. You should feel some sort of like a part of something. Yeah, hundred percent. So I don't mean feel good. You should feel like you're the one doing it. You are. You make. You're making the choice. Of course, you're making the bechira. Every person is a part of the. Yeah, of course, of course. You can feel happy. No, again, should, we're not taking away from the good feelings that a person should have when he does chesed. We're just explaining that the difference.
difference between doing chesed for the feelings of feeling good or doing chesed for the other person? If my, my motivation. Right, exactly. Really good will happen either way. Right. The is, am I motivated to daven because it feels good when I daven, or am I motivated to daven because that's what Hashem wants me to do, and it happens to be I will feel good when I daven? What's my what's what's the sole factor driving my kindness to other people? Fun. I, again, that does, that does yeah. Yeah. No, I wasn't saying that you shouldn't know. I was saying that that if the goal of me doing for other people is because it pains me to see them in pain and I want to you know self soothe that pain I'm feeling, or because I want the covet, or because I want the gratitude. So it's chesed also, but that's but it's self interest chesed. As well, so when I'm doing for the other person, and I don't care, right? Many times when a person does for somebody else, right? You know, th- th- this is you know you can find this for example, you know you you work in uh, in Camp Hask, right? So you're working with you're working with kids who are let's say are not always capable of expressing in their gratitude to you. So there's a certain level of, okay, it, it's, a, it's a much more harder, more difficult kind of chesed because there's no reciprocation, right? You can do chesed for somebody and help out a kala who needs money and give them money and pay for the whole wedding. It feels good when you go to that wedding and when they thank you and they say, without you, I would have never made that wedding. It feels good. Now, again, if that was the motivation for you doing it, that, low, that lowers the level of chesed, a couple of notches. If that wasn't the, lo- the level, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with feeling good when the person compliments you. Sure. It's, all, it's necessary for everybody to have those feelings of you know, uh, validation and feeling good and gratification. That's all necessary. Again, like Shalom saying, as long as that's that, you know, the sole focus and the reason why I'm doing it. But I was going to say almost like that. like... My my intentions when I'm helping someone depends on when and where. But like I try to my my intention is to just to do it because that's what Hashem wants me to do, and it just happens to be I feel amazing doing it. Hashem's gishma because He made that the things that we need to do are the best things in the world and they make they feel the best. So Hashem's really Hashem really. Huh? Could be. Yeah. It's all intention. Like 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 like. You get the feeling, but why not just tell yourself I'm doing it for right for the Rabbanu Shalom. And then whatever, whatever I get, I get. Right, right. We're gonna get, we're gonna get to all this. All this, all this will come up. Uh, all this will come up all in Tanya as we get through Tanya. Exactly what the kavanas are, what the purpose of doing mitzvahs are, how we're supposed to do mitzvahs, how much, how much a havan year is supposed to be mitzvahs, how crucial it is, how to get it. All that will be in there as part of uh, as part of what we get through. So that's a kitzer. Parak once. What do we have in, par- in the first parak of Tani so far? So far we had the concept of, he started off with like a bunch of questions, maybe about eight or nine questions. The first question he really began with was the, the Gemara Nida says, Tanya, the Gemara Nida says that every person needs to view himself as being a Rasha. Even if the whole world, oh, very good, that's his kasha. But even if the whole world tells you they are Rasha, even if the Torah tells you it's tzaddik, you should always be in your own eyes like a Russian. In fact, of Altanya, first of all, this is steer to the Mishnah Perek Yavis, which says you should not don yourself like a Russian, you should don yourself like a tzaddik. Second of all, it just doesn't seem like very good advice for helping people become productive by telling them that they should view themselves as being evil and Rasham. That was the first kasha. He had some kashas about exactly what is tzaddik v'toivloi, tzaddik v'raloi, rasha v'toivloi, rasha v'raloi. What are those madregas? What is, what's the difference between a tzaddik v'toivloi, tzaddik v'raloi? According to the Raya Behemna, according to the Zerah Kaddish's understanding of, that's his question, what does it mean? What, what, what exactly is that level of rasha v'toivloi, rasha v'raloi? And we know the Gemara simply says in the way, the sim, huh? Stay tuned. The Gemara simply says that it means that a Russia who has good happening to him, but the Baltania, the Zaira Kaddish has a different understanding, and that was his question. What does that mean? His question is, what does what does Eiv mean? Eiv said, Eiv told the Rabbanu Shem, "Brasa tzaddikim, brasa rasham." Which is not true. The Rabbanu did not create tzaddikim and rasham. That's our bechira. That's our ability to choose. Like you said, you know, we're not malachim. 
So Hashem did not create us as Sadiqim and Hashem. What Eev say? And Lachera Eev was right because Hashem did not, you know, uh, Hashem did not fight back on his taina. Hashem seemed to agree to his taina. So what in the world did Eev mean? What is a Bainani? That was his next question. We find that Rabbah said about himself he's a Bainani. How could Rabbah be a Bainani? What is a Bainani? If a Bainani is somebody who's never done, who's done, who's, who's half-half, that's not really called a Bainani. That's just when it comes to, you know, that's not the inherent essence of a Bainani. Is a Bainani toiv or is a Bainani ra? A Bainani, you know, seems to not make any sense. If he's, if he's a tzaddik, he's a tzaddik. If he does an Avera, he's a Russia. If he does Chuba, he's a tzaddik. So how do you ever be a Bainani? How could he be stuck in the middle? No, there's no option for that. No option. Only in Tzachar Vainish, not an not not essence. Your, your essence is one of the two. We'll see. Well, once we get to understanding what a Bainani is, so there could be, there is an option for being, you know, that, that sort of quasi in between, but it, it doesn't really mean half-half the way we normally think. That's, that was the next question. And then basically he, uh, as we said, we'll get to most of these questions. The, the, the answers to most of these questions will come many, many problem later. But those are the questions that he an- ended with. And then he said, he began with this major claw from the Rav Chaim Vital, from the Arizal, that every single person, every year has two nefashos, an nefesh of Bahami and a nefesh of Lakis. The nefesh of Bahami is found in the dam. The dam is found in the blood. As the, as the Pasuk says, and from that comes all the Midas Royce, and all the Midas Taivas, anything which is part of our natural makeup, our natural instinct, comes from the Nefesh Bahami. However, the Nefesh Bahami in a Yid comes from Klippus Noiga, while the Nefesh Bahami in a Goy comes from Gimel Klippus Atmeis. And that's where he really ended in Parak Aleph. Let's see, for a few minutes, the beginning of Parak Beis, just to begin. Parak Beis, yeah? La Nefesh Hasheni B'Yisrael. That is all one chilek between a Jew and a non-Jew is that even our nefesh Bahami is different. Zaktabal Tanya, but there's a second level. There's something else which is also different. By nefesh Hashenis Abi Yisrael, you got to come back here last week. By nefesh Hashenis Abi Yisrael, he chilek elikai mimal mamish. The nefesh Hashenis Abi Yisrael, the second level of an neshama inside of a person, the second nefesh that we have inside of every single one of us is a chilek elikai mimal mamish. Is a piece of godliness inside of us. As the Pasuk says by Adam Rishon, and this is not only a Pasuk referring to Adam Rishon, it's a Pasuk referring to every single one of us. How do I know? Because we say this every morning in davening. We say, We say, You blew my neshama into me. Which means when the Pasuk says about Adam Rishon, that's not only a reference to Adam Rishon, to the beginning of creation, but it's really a reference to every single one of us at every single moment that we're living. The Rishon is being Hashem is breathing into us at every moment a neshama. So aside from the nefesh of Bahami, aside from the natural neshama inside of us, we also have the second nefesh, which is called the nefesh Hashemis, which is called the nefesh Alakis, the godly soul. That is the soul which is a chelik alikaimi mal, as the Pasuk says, Vayipach, Ba'apov, Nishmas Chayim, Ba'ato, Nafachtabi. And that's why he puts those words in, Ba'ato, Nafachtabi, because proving that it's not only about Adam Rishon, but it's also the Barashim, you blew it into me, at every moment my Neshama is blown into me by Hashem, as we'll see in a second what that means. He who blows, blows from the inside of him. Pirish, what does that mean? When a person blows, when a person breathes, when a person lets out ear from inside of him, that is the essence of the person coming out. Balatani explains us that there's a very, very big difference between speaking and breathing. Yeah, speaking is not essential to our very being. 
Yeah, a person can live many years without speaking, right? Whether a person is a selective mute or the person is mute by, uh, not by choice of their own because of you know, some sort of physical ailment or a person just chooses you know, not to talk to people a lot and chooses to limit their, limit their speech to other people that does not take away from one's ability to live. Yes, yeah, speech is basically a vehicle for me to be able to communicate and express my emotions, my, my wants, my desires, my challenges, my, you know, my, my greatness to other people. That's what speech is. Speech is a vehicle of expression to express something that's taking place inside of me to another party outside of me. If I'm stuck in an island all alone, there is absolutely no reason why I need to speak. I may speak just not to go insane, but there's no reason. I don't need to speak. There's no necessity to speak. I can go for years on that island alone, and I don't need to speak. However, however, when I'm on an island all alone, I need to breathe, right? I don't have the ability not to breathe. You know, if I, if, if I stop breathing Khalila, then I'm no longer with the living, right? A person does not have the ability to decide whether he breathes. Breath is essential to a person's life. Zak de Zerakadish, when a person, when the Rabbanisham spoke and created creation through speak, Basar Mamaris Nivra, Chazal say, all of creation was created with 10 Mamaris, right? Everything was created with 10 different statements, 10 different sayings, that's all created with the level of deeper, with the level of speech. Now, that's all from the Rabbani Shem, without a question. Hashem said, Vihi R, and right away there was an R. Hashem said, Vihi Rakia, right away there was Rakia. However, that was created with the level of speech. Now, the level of speech is external. It's the way the Rabbani Shem expressed Kaviyachal is Rasen to the outside world. That's deeper. Much deeper than that is something which is called breath. When a person breathes. When the Rabbani Shem was Nafach, Man the Nafach, Metoich Nafach, when Hashem breathed the soul into Adam Rishon and into every single one of us, at every moment, Hashem is not speaking. Hashem never said there should be inside of Adam an Nefesh Chaya. Hashem blew it into Adam Rishon and that's how his Nefesh Elakis came into being. His Nefesh Abahami came into being through Dibur. Right? The Rabbani said, Nasa Adam B'Tzalmenu Kedmaseinu. It was a concept of speech, but much, much deeper than all of creation is the Nefesh Elakis. Why? When I breathe, even just push it, right? Where does speech come from? Speech comes from the throat and up, right? There's, there's five parts of the, there's five parts of the mouth that are, that are used in the, in the speech, the lips, the teeth, the tongue, the throat, the, the breath, but the, all that's used in a way where the breath is then being taken and broken up by, by, by the other parts of my mouth and the other parts of my throat in order to be able to speak. But breathing comes from a much deeper place. When I breathe, especially when I take a deep breath from inside of me in order to blow out. So that's coming from deep inside of me. It's coming from right here, right here. Much, much deeper, much more integral to my life. That's why, for example, if a person breathes very heavily, right? A person goes, I guess, right? Someone's just explained to me some sort of therapy where they do this for, uh, for a long amount of time. They do this for like 30 minutes straight. They just take, what's it called? No, something much, it's not called that. Something else where they do this for like a half hour straight. Is that what that is? Yeah. This guy's about breathing. No, but this is like an intense, intense therapy. Where they, he said he pushed it like it puts you into like a crazy, crazy state. It's like a crazy state where they, they breathe. But the point of doing that is, is you do that too off. You do that for too long. You, you get out of breath, right? Because breath is essential to life itself. You can't keep doing that and continue and continue living, right? You, you, you'll get short of breath. You don't get short of speaking. A person can speak from today for many, many years, right, as we all know, and you won't get tired of speaking. Because tired is not, speaking is not essential to life, and therefore I can just keep talking and talking and talking and talking, and I won't run out of things to say, and I won't run out of words, and I won't tire me out but to speak. Right, unless I'm speaking, you know, in a public setting, which I'm talking about using a lot more breath in order to be able to express myself publicly. But in general, speaking is very, talk is cheap, right? Talk and go and go and go, because it's not essential to life. And therefore, when they're a bunch of yeah, but I'll but it won't tire me out if I, I may, I may, you know, uh, 
you know, assuming that, that, that there's a limited amount of words, I may run out of words, but I won't get tired from speaking for so long, right? When breathing, if you breathe heavily, you'll get tired from that. Because breath is essential to life, speech is not essential to life. And therefore, when the Rabbi created man, he created two parts of us. One that was created with dibur, one that was created with speech, which is our nefesh abahami, which is, okay, it's good, it's important, but that's the animalistic soul. It was the same speech that was used to create light and darkness and giraffes and elephants and fish and, and everything else in the world and the nefesh and the, and the nefeshes of the nations of the world. And then there's the way the Rabbi created our nefesh alakis. The way the Rabbi created our nefesh alakis was man, man de nafach, it was created with breath. The Rosh was breathed it into us, that ability to be into life. And therefore, that chelak, that second chelak, is man denafach, metoichenafach. It's chelak elikayim imal mamash. It's integral from the Rabbanish Lalam. And as we'll see next time, this is not just something which is okay, the Rosh you know, this is, this is some sort of tolda from the Rosh This is the essence. Which is breathed into every single human or every single yid, which gave that yid the capability to have that and, and the essence of the nefesh alakis. And we'll see next time very, very clearly. I'll try to explain this based on the mashal of a father and a child how this is the essence of the nefesh alakis, what the nefesh alakis is made of, how it comes into us, and obviously what its purpose is, what its uh, structure is. The different levushim of it, but but understanding what that means—that it's a chelik alekaimi mal mamish, right? They're very, very, very strong words. It's a chelik alekaimi mal mamish. To really understand that properly, I'll give us a very strong and beautiful mashal. The rest of Perik Bay's explaining to us how the father and the child are, are related, and how every single was, every single one of us, and the rabbanim are related on an even much greater level than any child is related to his father. Shukach.